Hello, and welcome to the Study Apply Thrive podcast. I am Vita Cash, your host. We call this podcast Study Apply Thrive because we know that when we study and apply the Word of God, that we can thrive in every area of life. Today's teaching is from Mother's Day at Flow Church. I had so much fun teaching the mothers and the fathers and the non-parents, teaching everybody about how to be stress-free or stress-less with your parenting, that God doesn't want you to do it all, and that He has a plan in place to minimize stress and anxiety around parenting, that He wants you free to enjoy the process of raising children. So go ahead and grab your Bible, your pen, and your journal, and let's get into the Word of God. And if it's your first time here, thank you so much for being here, and you're welcome in this community. Good morning, everybody, and again, welcome to Flow Church. I am so happy that you are here. So we have two things going on today. It's Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're going to talk about mental health today. But it's also Mother's Day, and I want to wish all the moms out there a very happy Mother's Day. I want to say happy Mother's Day to my mom and to Pastor Russell's mom. We love and appreciate you both so very much, and we are just so blessed to have you in our lives. You you add such value to us. Now, listen, if you are watching and Mother's Day is not a happy day for you, either because your mother is no longer here or because you're waiting on your promise of children, just know that we're praying for you and we understand that. And you've heard my testimony before, uh, not my testimony, our testimony, me and Pastor Russell's testimony of how we had to wait quite a while (laughs) to have children and that um, even once we got pregnant, we had a hard time staying pregnant, and there were a lot of different issues that went on with us. And so I understand, but guess what? You are complete simply because you are a part of the kingdom of God. Motherhood is gonna add a new hat to your closet, but it's not gonna complete you. And so we want you to continue waiting for the promise, continue believing God for the promise, and it will happen for you in the way that God wants it to happen. But we want you to be able to celebrate today with your sisters. And so for everybody, happy Mother's Day. Thank you for worshiping with us. I'm going to pray and we're going to get right into the word. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, you are so awesome. You are just wonderful, God, and we just bless you in this place. God, you know what everybody who's watching today or who may watch later on this afternoon or tomorrow needs, God. So, Father, allow the words that you put in my heart and in my mouth to minister to the needs of your people. God, I declare change. I declare healing. I declare release now in the name of Jesus. God, increase us as only you can. God, move by your mighty power. And Father, do what only you can do. And Father, I ask that you allow us to leave this place better than we came and as beacons of your good and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I love being a mother. I love being a mom. And being a mom is one of my greatest joys in life. And if I can be very honest, it's also one of the greatest stressors in life for me. Now, let me clarify that in case my children are watching. My children are not stressful children. I am so blessed to have wonderful children. They are not perfect children. They make the same uh, mistakes that some other kids make, but they are perfect for me. I am so happy that God chose them for me to raise, and they bring me joy every single day in life. I am so proud of them and all that they are accomplishing. I'm I'm proud of the people that they are. I'm proud of the character that they have and how they love the Lord. And so you might be thinking, well, why do they create stress for you? Because I want to get it right. I don't want to be right. As a mom, I want to get it right. I don't have to always be right. Everything that I say is not final. I am definitely not smarter than my children. Both of them are smarter than me, and I am humble enough to admit that to them. I am the authority figure, so they must still submit to that authority. But they both are brilliant children, brilliant people. Well, one is 20, so can I still call him a child? I don't know. But I want to get it right. And one of my only goals as a mom, and you heard me say this before, is I want to raise children who don't have to recover from me. Because all of us know someone who's recovering from their mother or their father and how that parent misunderstood them or didn't support them or was abusive or was absent or neglectful or whatever the case may have been. My only goal as a mom is to recover, is to raise children who don't become adults who have to recover from me. And that takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of dedication. It takes humility to understand that 
I'm not raising a little me and I'm not raising a little Russell. I am raising a Victoria and a Joseph who have their own personalities, who have their own calls on their life. And it's my job to be a good steward over what God wants to do in them. And for me not to decide who they should be, what they should think, what they should do. And in order to do that, I have to be very submitted to God and I have to be very submitted to what God wants to do in their lives. And so, so far I've just been talking about moms, but now this is where this message becomes applicable to anybody who's listening. Because even if you're not a parent, even if your children are adults and you don't have to parent them in the same way anymore, as believers, we have to make a decision every single day of if the things that we're doing, if we're gonna allow them to glorify God, or if we're gonna allow them to glorify something else. And that something else could be ourselves, that something else could be you know, a club that we're a part of, or uh, so it could be whatever, but we have to make a decision that we are going to glorify God in everything that we do. And that decision is easier said than done sometimes because sometimes what we want to do, it seems like the right thing, but it isn't always the right thing. And let me show you that in scripture. Uh, look at Colossians chapter three, Colossians chapter three. And I'm so excited to be here. Yay. <laughs> Colossians chapter three. And look at verse 23. I'm not in the right place. Okay. Now I'm in the right place. <laughs> Colossians chapter three, verse 23. It says, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto your children. <laughs> Talking to the moms again. It says, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto your children, not unto your spouse, not unto your place of employment, not unto society. Whatever you're doing, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for which you serve the Lord Christ. So everything that you do, we want to do it as unto the Lord. And there are so many things that we can do as parents that are unto our children. Well, I just didn't want them to have a temper tantrum, so I gave them another piece of candy. Or I didn't want them to be mad at me, or I didn't want them to be upset, or I wanted to prove to them that I was the boss. I wanted to prove to them that I was in charge. I need to make a point over here I want to show them that I am not the one to be played with. I want to show them that I know they better not do this. I want to do this. I want to do that. But everything that we do should be unto the Lord, knowing that of the Lord, we're going to receive our promise or receive our reward. Look at verse 25. It says, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he doeth. And there shall be no respect or apart, no respect of persons. And so it's saying you have a choice to make. And we see this from Deuteronomy. Remember, choose you this day what you're going to do. So we see this again, this theme all throughout scripture, that whatever you do, do it unto the Lord, knowing that it's of God that you're going to receive your promise. And so the idea of living life as a parent, living life as a spouse, living life as a business person, living life as a responsible citizen of society, living life connected to different communities, that we can't live life trying to prove something to other people. We can't live life trying to impress people. We can't live life to, on purpose, pretend like we're not moved by what people are doing. We have to live our lives as unto the Lord and everything that we do. And so as a parent, that means that I have to make a decision to not do things with my children the way that I would do them, but the way that the Lord will have me do it because it's the Lord that I have to answer to ultimately is not that child. Hmm, Selah. And so even though my child might say that they can handle staying up to one o'clock in the morning and they don't need sleep, I know that God has given me charge over their wellness and their health. So I need to put that child to bed. And so we have to do all things unto the Lord. And I want to say it like this. I want you to just write this on your paper, put it in the chat that you're going to live a life of standards and your standard is I live for God. Your standard is I do things to impress God. Your standard is I do things to please God. Your standard is I do things 
within the grace that God has given me. Your standard is I do things because God told me to. And the way that that helps you is to alleviate what anybody else may be thinking. It alleviates the pressure of trying to please people. It alleviates the pressure of trying to please your children. It really alleviates the pressure of trying to impress people, of trying to impress your children, of trying to prove to your children that you were a better student than them or whatever you may be dealing with. With when you know that you only have one audience that every day you get up and you're performing for an audience of one and that audience is your father and the Bible says that when your ways please the Lord that even your enemy will be at peace with you and your family members your children are not your enemy so surely your children surely your spouse surely your friends and your co-workers will be at peace with you when your ways please God so look over at Genesis chapter uh, 4 Everybody say, I live to please God. I wish I were in the studio with me so I could hear you. I can use my imagination. Y'all sound real loud and, you know, excited. I live to please God. The curtains are shaking. <laughs> Everybody's cheering. I live, live to please God. And so there's a difference between living to please God and living to please yourself. Because when you live to please yourself, then you know that you have a reward coming from yourself. And whatever you can give yourself, whatever you can do for yourself, that's what you're going to get. But if you live to please God, you know that you have a reward coming from God. And so as a parent, as a mom, there have been times talking about me. I'm not talking about any of you. There have been times that I have done what God didn't necessarily tell me to do with my children because it felt right at the time. And then I would go back and say, well, God, why didn't that work out right? And God will say, because I didn't tell you to do that with those children, or I told you to do it with one, but not necessarily with the other. I wanted you to do it this way with this child or that way with that child. And that's a humbling experience because what I was doing was in my mind, not a bad thing. And if you were looking, you would, nobody would probably think it was bad, but if it's not, what God said, then it's not what we should be doing with our children. So look here, Genesis chapter four, and this is very familiar to most of, most of you. This is a uh, Cain and Abel, verse one. It says, and Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect for Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had no respect. And Cain was very wrought, or Cain was very frustrated, or Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wrought, and why is thou continence fallen? If thou doest well, you shall be accepted, and thou dost not do well, sin life at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou and thou shalt rule over him. So here you have Cain and Abel, you have the brothers, uh, Adam and Eve's children, and it's time to bring an offering to the Lord. And remember, we saw in Colossians, it says everything that you do, you do it as unto the Lord. And it says that Abel was a keeper of sheep or he was a herdsman and Cain was a tiller of the ground. And it's important to understand what their expertise was. Abel was a sheep or a herdsman and Cain was a gardener, a landscaper, a tiller of the ground. So when God asked them for an offering, it was an expectation from God that they would bring something within the realm of their expertise. And that's important because sometimes as parents, we think we're supposed to be all things to our children. And God is only asking you to do what's in the realm of your expertise. Abel was the sheep person. Cain was the garden landscape person. So God was not expecting Cain to bring a fat calf and he wasn't expecting Abel to bring fruit. God wants you to relate with him. He wants you to relate with others. He wants you to parent. He wants you to be a spouse. He wants you to be a friend. He wants you to start a business. He wants you to serve in ministry. He wants you to do all of those things in the realm of the expertise that he gave you. The anointing 
anointing that he's put on your life, the wisdom that he's given you, the character that he's given you, the personality that he's given you. He's not asking you to be all things to your children. If you're a single parent, you're not being both mom and dad. God has not anointed you to be both mom and dad. God has anointed you to be whoever you are. And then whatever you're lacking, he says that he will make up the difference. He will wedge the gap. He will send help. He will do whatever he needs to do. He's not asking you to pull yourself thin. And sometimes as parents, we pull ourselves too thin because we're trying to be all things to all people. And then we wonder why we, uh, our gifts that we give to people don't meet the standard that they're expecting because we're bringing them something out of the realm of our expertise. And so here came Abel. He's a keeper of the sheep. When it was time for him to bring offering, he brought the fat, he brought the first, he brought the best. And we all celebrate him and we say, oh, Abel must have really loved the Lord. Look at this wonderful offering that he gave God. Look at how he blessed God with the best and with the first and with the fat. And then we make an assumption that is a poor assumption that Cain loved God less because his offering wasn't appropriate. Is it that Cain loved God less or is it that Cain had poor time management or is it that Cain was in a rush or is it that Cain didn't understand that God was only asking him to do what he had anointed him to do. And so for anybody watching, I don't want you to ever measure yourself against someone else that their service is better or their ministry is better or their business is better or they seem like a better mom or they seem like a better dad. God is only asking you to do what he has given you the expertise to do. So if you're the kind of mom who's great with doing hair, then great, do your children's hair. But if you're the kind of mom who's horrible at cooking, then let your sister make the birthday dinner. It doesn't have to be your responsibility to make the birthday dinner and to do the hair and to do the laundry and to sweep the floor and to drive them to school and to pay for college and to pay for tuition and to go to every baseball game and to go to every soccer game and to watch every movie and to paint the nails and to do that. God is only asking you to do what you have an expertise in. And then you might be saying, well, Pastor Vita, how's my child going to get everybody else? God called you to a community. He never called you to do anything alone. And so the people that he's connected you with, they also have an ability to love your child, not necessarily as a parent, but as somebody who is an investor. And so I invest in my children the way that God has given me the expertise to do it. Pastor Russell invests in our children the way that God has given him the expertise to do it. But then we also make room write that down. We make room. We are very intentional about making space for their grandparents to invest in them and for their aunts and uncles to invest in them and for people who we are on purpose doing life with to invest in them because I would be worn thin. I would be frustrated like Cain. I would be angry like Cain if I had to do it myself. And in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month, sometimes parents are stressed out because you're trying to be everything to your child because you're afraid or you're intimidated that if you make room for somebody else to love your child, if you make room for someone else to invest in your child, that you might lose the influence. But nobody can ever take your place. Nobody can ever be who you are to them. If you are committed to doing everything as unto the Lord and bringing your child the first and the best of what you have to offer, guess what? That impact can never be robbed from you. It can never be taken from you. It can never be denied of you. And your children will have such respect for you because you invested enough in them and cared enough about them to make room for other people to do in their lives what you were not able to do. And so Cain, he is running late. He's lazy. He's all these things. But I want to make it clear. We have no proof that Cain doesn't love God. We have no proof that Cain didn't want to do better. And sometimes we like to judge other people based on what they bring. But that's not always a proof of their love for God. It may be a proof of their lack of understanding of the word. It may be proof that they may not have standards. It may be proof that they don't know that they should do better. But it doesn't measure their love for God. And so I 
I can imagine because I've been there before where I do what I think is something great, but because it was out of the realm of my expertise, it's not received in the same way that I intended it when I gave it. And sometimes as parents, we want our children to do backflips because we do something what we think is amazing. We want our coworkers to do backflips. We want everybody to give us a standing ovation. We want to go down in history as the best. And then we get our feelings hurt. We get frustrated. We get angry and we wonder why. And it's because sometimes we're doing something that God didn't tell us to do when it comes to parenting or it comes to family. And then God is saying, why has your countenance fallen? Why are you frustrated? Why are you angry? Why are you crying? Why are you upset? You need to have a standard in your life. Pastor Vita, what's the standard? The one that we just discussed in Colossians chapter three, that I do all things as unto the Lord. Let me, let me, I'm excited. I'm excited. Let me, let me, let me calm down. Let me calm down. I'm a homeschool mom. Let me give y'all a personal example. I'm a homeschool parent and I like homeschooling. I actually love homeschooling. And if I have my choice, I would homeschool her until she graduates from high school. However, God hasn't given me the instruction to homeschool her until she graduates from high school. Every year I ask God, do you want me to homeschool again? And so far he said, yes, every year we're going to homeschool the year school year coming up 20, 22, 23, because God has already given me the, the go ahead. I'm going to ask her. I'm going to ask him every year. And then I also ask her her opinion. Do you still want to be homeschooled? Because guess what? God can speak to you through your children. Let me see all that. God can speak to you through your just because you're older and you've been saved longer and you know the word more. Your children have the ability to hear from God. And sometimes God will give you correction. Sometimes God will correct your course of action through the words of your children. So don't disregard them and definitely don't belittle them for speaking up because they could be in that moment, the voice of God for your life. That's a different story. Another time, another message. So I, I'm homeschooling my child and I'm an educated woman. I, I'm happy to say that I'm an educated woman. I have a master's in education. I have several graduate certificates in education. I've worked in education for years. I'm actually the director of education for the church and all of our education programs. I direct those, but guess what? I have little to no expertise in math. Okay, I'm just going to put it out there. And even though Pastor Russell gave us a faith confession, I'm good in math. I'm good in math. I'm good in elementary math. I'm real good in elementary math. Oh my goodness. I am, I could go to any uh, fifth grade class and totally crush it. I can go to any seventh, uh, sixth grade class and totally crush it. I'm great at elementary math. Not so much middle school and not so much high school and definitely not college. That's not my level of expertise. And so even though I am the homeschool mom, even though she's under my authority when it comes to her education and things like that, I had to come to, I had a come to Jesus moment that when it came to math, the reason why she was frustrated in math and not doing well in math was because I was trying to teach her math and I'm not good at math. And her math comprehension is actually beyond mine. And so she's in sixth grade, but she works on the seventh and eighth grade level. So I'm trying to teach this child who's advanced beyond my level of expertise. And then we're both frustrated because I wasn't willing to admit that this is not my expertise area. And what I was doing was being like Cain and scooping things up off the ground instead of getting it fresh off the tree that it was, you know, when God had put it there, I was waiting for stuff to drop from the ground, drop to the ground and scooping it up and then presenting it to her as if she should be so happy that I'm giving her these math lessons that I had no expertise in and then dare her to not understand it, dare her to not comprehend it when it was not my expertise area. How many of us are frustrating our children because we're trying to give them something that we're not an expert in? Instead of sticking with what we know, instead of getting organized, instead of having a standard that whatever I do, I do it as unto the Lord. We're causing frustration for the whole household because we don't want to admit that even though I'm mom, I have no clue what I'm doing. And when I had that come to Jesus moment and I went to Pastor Rose, so I said, guess what? 
I cannot teach this child math. She, I, I am the problem. And I say, he said, oh, no, you know, Pastor Russell's so encouraging. Oh, no, baby, you're not the problem. You're the best of the best. I appreciate that right now, but I'm for real, brother. I am the problem. She is not the problem. I am the problem. And so we began looking for a new curriculum that had, get this, look, look, look at God. Look, God will give you an answer to everything. Video instruction. <laughs> and all I had to do was hit play and look, sit next to her and take notes so I can learn what she was learning. And then I would just go because I'm a better note taker than her. I would go back over the notes and did you catch that? Did you catch that? So when I removed myself and I made room for someone with expertise to come and give her what she needed. So now I'm not frustrated. I'm not stressed. She's not frustrated. She's not stressed. And everything is being done as unto the Lord. Instead of me scooping up things from the ground and giving it to her as if she should be oh so happy that mommy took the time to give her this warmed over math lesson that mommy don't know what in the world she's doing. And sometimes you have to admit mom and dad. Sometimes you have to admit auntie and uncle. Sometimes you have to admit supervisor and business owner. Sometimes you have to admit pastor and elder and ministry leader that you have no clue what you're doing and then be okay with it because God hasn't called you to be an expert at everything. He's given you a lane. He's given you an assignment. He's given you an anointing, but then he's giving you a community of people who will help fill the gap with anything you don't know how to do okay another example talking about me talking about the little girl the little girl got a head full of hair we could call her rapunzel if we wanted to head full of hair i do hair okay but i'm not an expert at doing hair and she was saying mommy i want to go to this particular salon i was like i don't know she's like mommy really i want to go to this particular salon i was like i don't know let me do your hair she's like mommy i really want to go to the salon i said okay first of all it takes me, like literally, I'm not over-exaggerating, two hours to detangle her hair. Two hours. And the whole time she's going, ow, ow, ow. And the whole time I'm going, I'm barely touching you. And then Pastor Russell going to another room, put on video games, turn up the TV, Joseph lead the room. <laughs> I mean, everybody, is a hair day was like a stressful day for the whole household. Finally, I listened to the voice of the Lord through my child. And I took her to the salon. How about they did her whole head in two hours? It would take me two hours to detangle it and it was beautiful and it was flawless and worth every penny I paid for because I had to admit this is not my level of expertise. Let me make room for an able. Let me make room for an expert to come in and be a blessing to my child because even though I didn't get it, I st even though I didn't do it, I still get the credit from God as doing it as unto the Lord because God didn't say you are her mother, you must do her hair. God said you are her mother, make sure her hair is done. God didn't say you are her mother. You must teach her math. He says you are her mother. Make sure she's educated. God didn't say you are her mother. You must fix every meal. He says you are her mother. You must make sure that she is fed. So having somebody come and deliver food to my house does not take anything away from me. Having someone come clean the house doesn't take anything away from me. Having somebody else do her hair, having somebody else teach Joseph how to drive, having somebody else do these things, they it takes nothing away from me and how much I love my children, but it's labor as unto the Lord by making sure that they get the very best that they can get. And I'm humble enough to say that their the very best that they need is not going to always come from me. And that's a C-Law moment for some, for some of you. That's like nails on a chalkboard. Ugh, I'm supposed to be the one. No, you did what you're supposed to do by nurturing an environment where they're able to receive from other people. They're able to receive the best. That You're setting a standard for them to know that I deserve expert expert services in my life. And sometimes I have to have more than one person providing the service, but I'm worth the effort. I'm worth the time. I'm worth all of that. Okay. What did we learn from the, uh, Oh, uh, I got so much to share with y'all. I don't know how much time I have left. Okay. Let's look at this verse seven. What do we learn from Cain and Abel? That a life without the standard of pleasing God opens the door for frustration and stress to rule over your life. Here is Cain in the presence of God. 
And in the presence of God, we have joy. In the presence of God, we have fullness. In the presence of God, we find peace. In the presence of God, we find shelter. We find protection. We find all of these things. But Cain is showing us something different. He's in the presence of God, frustrated and angry because God did not dote over what he didn't do properly. Hmm. Some of us go into the presence of God angry, frustrated about parenting, about our marriage, about all of those things without being willing to realize and look in ourselves and say, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe the issue is me. Maybe I'm doing things that I should not be doing. Maybe I need, this is not, this is a four letter word, but it's not a curse word. Maybe I need help. Maybe I need help. Maybe I need to talk to some other parents. Maybe I need to go to counseling or therapy to let go of all the things that my parents didn't do right. Because without realizing it, I'm transferring those bad emotions to the children that I love so much. Because again, this is not about love. We don't have any proof that Cain didn't love God. We don't know why he did what he did, but we have no proof. The Bible doesn't say he didn't love God, that he loved God any less. So maybe our time in the presence of God feels frustrating. We're reluctant to go before God because we don't want to admit that there's some things that we're doing in our lives and they're not bad things, but it's things that we should not be doing. There's nothing wrong with me wanting to teach my child math. There's nothing wrong with me wanting to teach Joseph how to drive. There's nothing wrong with me um, wanting to do their hair, but it's not the things that God anointed me to do. But there were people who were anointed to do those things. And all I had to do was make room. Just make room. Knowing that it doesn't in any way jeopardize my position or my place in their lives. Parents, I need for you to get free. God didn't give the children to you for you to put them in a bubble and not allow them to experience life with anybody else. God gave you children for all of you, your whole family to connect with a community. I don't know, like the flow church community and for that community to help invest in your children, for them to help share their expertise. That's why we have people who work the cameras and people who work in children's church and people who work in outreach and people who work in women's ministry and men's ministry and couples ministry and you know the education ministry we have people who do all that stuff the finance ministry because we can't pastor russell and i cannot do this all alone the same with your children you can't do it all alone god has raised up some people to help you with your children so that they can have the absolute best and if you send your children to school wonderful just like you allow those teachers to pour into your children allow other people to pour into your children because you don't have the expertise to do it all okay one last scripture matthew chapter 7 i pray this is blessing you i pray this is fast and listen when you get this revelation and you really hold on to it the level of exhaustion that you have with your children, you will begin to see it minimized because you will no longer be trying to do everything. I can't wait for her hair appointment. I cannot wait because I had to like literally get myself together to do her hair. Let me get some chamomile tea. Let me put some worship music on. Let me listen to some jazz. Let me stretch. Let me live on the Lord. And I would tell the guys, we would do Tori's hair. Oh, uh, they would go, we going to the movies. We going for a walk. We're going to play video games way down in the basement. Up loud so we can't. I mean, we had to get ourselves together. There are some things that you're expelling energy to get things together. It's because God never told you to do it. And you need to make room for someone else to do it. And look, if you would just open up your heart, your heart to make room, the people are already there, but you haven't identified them yet because you haven't let go of your issues with these are my kids and nobody else going to do anything. Yes, they are your kids, but God wants to free you to enjoy being a parent. He wants to free you to enjoy sharing the labor of raising your children with other people in your community. I am so blessed that 
my daughters and my son's cousins and uncles and aunts and grandparents reach out to them. And I remember one time my dad called me and said, hey, is it okay if I call one of the kids? I said, hey, your grandkids call anytime you want. Call anytime. We're doing this together. And when they were younger, we would put on Christmas gifts. Sometimes we would put from the family, even though it'd be from me and Pastor Russell, we would put sometimes from the family to let our kids know that we're raising you with the whole child people. There are people who love you beyond mommy and daddy. Mommy and daddy love you so very much and our position in your life is solid but grandma loves you and grandpa loves you and this person loves you and aunt this loves you and uncle this of you you are deeply loved and you deserve it you deserve to be loved by as many people as god will raise up to do it you deserve every ounce of it but when you raise your children and keep telling them that you're the only person who loved them you're teaching them that they don't deserve to be loved by many that's a Selah moment right there. You don't want to raise a child who feels like only one person can love me because what happens if they fall, make a mistake and fall in love with the wrong person and they don't know that there are other people out there they can talk to, other people they can confide in, other people who have their back. You don't want to set your child up that way. Teach them that they're loved by a community and that that community has a responsibility and the joy of pouring into them. And then when they get older, they can pour back into that same community. Okay, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. This is so good. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils? And in thy name done many wondrous works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Say what now? Okay, let's look at what they did. Let's look at what they did. They didn't say, did not fornicate, did not commit adultery, wasn't I a murderer, wasn't I a liar, wasn't I a cheat, wasn't I misogynistic, wasn't I this? No, no, no. Look at what they did. They said, we prophesied, okay, we cast out devils, okay, we did many wonderful works. What did they do wrong? What did they do wrong? Jesus is saying, there are going to be many who come to me and say, God, I did all these wonderful things. I prophesied. I did ministry. I cast out demons. I did community service. I went across the world with Peace Corps. Nothing wrong with Peace Corps. I used to work for Peace Corps. Nothing wrong with that. They're saying, but here's the litmus that he says, I will profess to them. I never knew you. Or what this means is I never had an intimate relationship with you. I never had an agreeable relationship with you. Or in other words, I'm not the one who told you to do that stuff. And so you get no credit from me for doing things that seem good or doing things that were good for other people to do because I never told you to do that. I didn't tell you to put your child in that club. I didn't tell you to make your child play sports. I didn't tell you to train your child that they had to sleep in a pitch dark room because that's how you sleep. And you put your three-year-old in the room and turn off all the lights and close the door and listen to them scream because some book told you they could self-soothe and it was good. But God said that he would never leave you or forsake you. If you make your bed in heaven or hell, he'll be there. And you put your child in a little room called hell for the night and leave them in there suffering and then wonder why they feel traumatic all the time. God said, I didn't tell you to do that. I didn't tell you to do that. I didn't tell you that you never came into an intimate relationship with me. And so the guidance that you're going to get, the way that you're going to hone in to your expertise as a parent is by you having an intimate relationship with God. And God will tell you, don't teach her math. God will tell you, stop doing her hair. God will tell you, don't call your college student every night and ask them what they have for dinner. <laughs> God will tell you, don't ask them every day if they hung out with their friends. God will tell you what you need to do. But it comes from you 
having an agreeable relationship with him. It comes from you having an intimate relationship with him. It comes from you doing all of that. And then in his presence, when you begin to commune with God and you begin to have those that time with God, he'll begin to reveal to you areas that you might be broken, areas that you need healing, areas that you're wounded. And he will allow Holy Spirit to do the work either supernaturally or through the help of counseling, through the help of marriage ministry, through the help of parenting ministry, but God will make sure that the work gets done when you have that agreeing relationship. So the same way that God is not overly impressed with things that he didn't tell you to do, your kids are not overly impressed with some of the things that you tell them to, that, that you do for them. And you have to be okay with that. You know, you can't buy your child a green fur coat and then get mad if they don't like it when their favorite color is purple. Did you have an agreeable relationship? Did you have an intimate relationship where you got to know what they liked and what they didn't like? And you telling all your friends, I can't believe I spent all this money on the coat and you can't believe the boy didn't even like it. But did you ever ask the boy what he wanted? Did you have the intimate relationship? Okay, you threw the big surprise party for your 60, your sweet 16 um, son or daughter, but they're an introvert. They don't like parties. And you you so ungrateful. I can't believe after all I've done. You Did you do that for you or did you do it for them? Did you do it because you wanted to be able to say, look at what I've done. I'm such a great parent. I'm such a great mom. I'm such a great dad. Or did you do it really for them? Do you have them in the competitive sports for them? Or do you have it so that you can be able to say, is it for you? Because God is not impressed here in Matthew he wasn't impressed with Cain in Genesis. And then in Colossians, he tells us, do it as unto the Lord. So anytime that we're operating without an agreeable relationship, without an intimate relationship, and we're doing things for people without the good intentions, without the relationship, we can't get mad if they don't receive it the way that we gave it. Because remember, you got to get your, your kudos, you got to get all your accolades, you got to get all of that from knowing that you are a citizen of the kingdom, knowing that you are the king's child, knowing that you're an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. And if you wake up in the morning telling yourself that, that anybody else celebrating you that day is a bonus, but you're not feeling empty unless people celebrate you, that you, you have to go back and connect with God. Okay, let's finish this. Let's finish this. Okay, look at verse 24. Therefore... Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken them unto a wise man or woman which builds his house upon a solid rock. So anybody who hears these sayings, Jesus is saying, come into an agreeable relationship with me. I want to be able to bless and anoint and, and just give direction to everything you're doing. Anybody who hears that and makes that adjustment and begins to go to God about how they're parenting, go to God about how they're doing their marriage and interacting with their spouse, go to God about their ministry, go to God about their business. He says that I will liken him unto a wise man that builds his house on a rock. It minimizes stress and minimizes frustration and minimizes hurt feelings and minimizes insecurity when you get your instruction from an intimate relationship with God. Look at verse uh, 26. And everyone that hear these sayings of mine and does not do them shall be likened unto a foolish man which builds his house upon the sand. By not doing the words of the Lord, by not having an intimate relationship with God, by not getting your instruction for parenting, marriage, family, business, ministry, what have you, by not doing those things, you're likened unto a fool whose house is built on the sand. What happens when your house is built on the sand? You get stressed and worried every time the wind blows, every time it rains, every time it snows, anytime things that are totally out of your control occur, you have to think about your whole livelihood. That's a stressful way of life. You don't want to have a family. You don't want to have a household. You don't want a parent 
on a house built on sand. You want to be on the solid rock, the foundation of what God told you. And guess what? You're not going to always get it right. Lord knows I don't always get it right, but the attempt is there and God will honor the attempt. It's the coming continuously back to God saying, God, what should I do? God, how should I do? God, when should I do? God, where should I do? God, with whom should I do? And it's that humbling of yourself to come before God and ask him that's going to increase your confidence because you know you heard from God. It'll make you a better parent. It'll make you a better spouse. It'll make you a better business owner, a better staffer, a better career person, a better entrepreneur, a better whatever God has called you to. And so this morning, again, we're celebrating moms, but I want to think about your mental health as a parent. I don't want you stressed. I don't want you depressed. I don't want you intimidated by your family simply because they love your child too. I don't want you feeling like you have to be everything, all things to, to your children. It's impossible. And you are setting yourself up for failure and deception. I want you to be free to just love your children. Be free to say to your children, I have no idea. I don't know. I tell my children all the time, I, I don't know. I, I can look it up. I can research it, but I don't know. And I'm good for this. I don't know, but let me call Miss So-and-so. I don't know, but let me call. I don't have daddy call Mr. So-and-so. I don't know, but let me call grandma. Let me call aunt so-and-so. I don't even pretend like I know everything. I don't. Listen to them. Let God speak to you through your children. Because you want to enjoy this. You don't want to be looking, I can't wait till they 18 so they can get out of here. You want your children to be able to be around as long as possible. You want to enjoy them and they want to enjoy you. I love you. I hope the word bless you this morning. Again, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. We're praying for you. We love you. We love all of you. And listen, if you're not already a member of Flow Church, today is your day. We are a body of believers who are doing three things together, following Christ, loving others, and working on ourselves. If you didn't know, flow is an acronym. The legal name of this ministry is Family Worship Place, <laughs> but we go by Flow Church because that's what we do. We follow Christ. We love others. We work on ourselves. We do that by teaching the word, by impacting the community, by exhibiting Christ, and by drawing thousands to Jesus. We want to just populate the kingdom of God anywhere we can. And we have study groups that meet throughout the week. They are the heartbeat of this ministry. They take the messages that Pastor Russell and I or our guest minister on Sunday. We have an education department that does study group questions and they disperse them to study group leaders who then give them to study group members. And you can get together with a small group of people. We have study groups that meet every day of the week except for Sunday and Friday. So you can discuss the word with your peers, your co-laborers, in the gospel, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. And that's how you'll grow spiritually and begin to mature by discussing the word with somebody, discussing the word your study group. Study groups do life together. They celebrate together. They mourn together. They do every, I mean, it's like a little fail, a little hub. It's a, I mean, it's wonderful. Tuesday is the best study group, by the way, in case you're wondering, that's my study group. And I don't lead that study group. I'm under the submission of Elder Tark and Elder Nakia Grace. They are the study group leaders. I'm just a part of that study group. Victoria and I call into that study group because I want to be an example to her. And Pastor Russell calls into, I want to be an example to her. We want to be an example to her that even though you're a leader, you still have to be submitted to someone else. And that even though we're pastors, we still have to study the word of God and do the word of God. We're not exempt because of our title. Titles don't exempt you from anything. And again, we're using the community that we have. The elders are helping us teach that to our children. And so on that study group call, even though we're the pastors and visionaries of this church, we are under the authority and leadership of our study group leaders at that time. That's a whole nother sermon for that. That'll preach right there. Demonstrate your children how to be submitted to leadership. You want them to be submitted to you. Show them that you're submitted to somebody and allow them to see what submission to authority looks like. So if you're not a member of this church, 
you ought to be. This is a great ministry. It is filled with people who love the Lord and we're all just trying to get it right. We're all working on ourselves. We have no perfect people here. If you're perfect, come show us how to do what you're doing because we don't know <laughs> how to be perfect, but you will love being a part of this community of authentic people who love the Lord, who are all striving to do what God's called us to do. So supportive. We have a model here that you at Flow Church, you never fight a battle alone unless you want to. You don't have to, but if you let us know you're in a battle, you have the full force of this community behind you, praying for you, fasting with you, confessing with you, doing whatever needs to be done to get you through that battle. If you want to give one today, and you should want to give, giving is a privilege. You don't have to give, you get to give. And there is no curse associated with not giving, but there is absolutely a blessing associated with giving. Don't ever let anybody guilt you into giving. Your house is not going to catch on fire if you don't give. If you, you, you know, you might get the job, you might not get the job if you don't give, but you give to honor God. You give to further the vision of the ministry. You give so that other people can get the word that you're giving so that other children can be blessed and other marriages can be blessed. You give because it's who you are. We are a group of philanthropic people. We give. We give to this ministry and then this ministry in turn sows into the community. We just two or three weeks ago did a huge donation to one of the local universities and we didn't realize it until we saw the thank you video. They said the people receiving the gift says this church has consistently given to this school over the last years. We know that we can always depend on your church. We can always depend on Flow Church to give to our school. And you want to be a part of that. You want to be able to say, John down the street, we, we help build this. We help do that. We, we help do that. So you want to be a giver. And they're putting all on the screen right now, all the different ways you can give. Just be a giver. Say this, I am a giver. It's not something that you do. It's something that you are. I am a giver. I am philanthropic. So go ahead and give one today. And then we want you to think of four, five, 10, 20 people that you're going to share this word with. You're going to call them with your notes. And then together, you're going to go to a study group this week and invite them. They need not be a member of the church yet. They will join eventually. But invite your friends to go with you to study group this week. Each one, reach one. We don't have to do this by ourselves. You, want, you don't want to just grow by yourself, especially some people you know who are parents. Invite them to come be a part of this study group this week. We love you. We care about you. We are praying for you. We are here for you. If you have a prayer request, anything like that, you can text it to the church's number that they're putting it on the screen for you. You can text it. And we got a text early this morning, yesterday morning, Friday morning. This week, we got a text this week of somebody celebrating that their body is now cancer free. And we just were so excited when the staff told us about that tax. We were just so blessed. And so you can text things anonymously. You can text things however you want. Now that number is not my personal cell phone number. It's not Pastor Russell's cell phone number. It is the number to the church. So you can reach us there by texting us there. But let us know how you're doing, what you're going through. If you need a prayer request, if you want to celebrate, if you want to buy me something, just go on and text it. It will take care of all of that. We love you. Have a wonderful Mother's Day. Have a wonderful week. And we will see you in study group this week.